0: Jerry and Tracy Pauline, And their dog Ninja. Wondery Plus presents its newest podcast, Deadly Misadventures. Hosted by Justin from Generation Y and Tyler from The Minds of Madness. We'll bring you some of the most terrifying real-life stories of those who came face to face with death.
1: Some who lived to tell the tale
0: while others succumbed to their deadly misadventures.
1: I'm gonna do bad things, do it like it's nothing. Being bad has never felt so good. Doing bad things to you. You know the odds. The stakes are high. Care to take your chance with Lady Luck? To hear all Deadly
0: Misadventure episodes exclusively ad-free, just visit Wondery.fm slash Deadly to start listening now.
1: Doing bad things to you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 182 of Hibbly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And
0: I'm Tracy.
1: Tracy. What? Chicken butt. <laughs> <laughs> so... First of all, we obviously want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent.
0: Absolutely. and Especially you firemen that's been out there trying to get rid of this stupid fire. Hopefully it's calmed down now. I hope you all got some rain and it knocked it down for you pretty good. So we're still praying for you guys and we're praying for you guys that are protecting us, you guys and gals, and just know that you're always in our prayers and thank you for keeping us safe.
1: Also, we want to mention, obviously, it's that time of year uh, still where people are um, struggling a little bit. Holiday season just kind of lingers a little bit when you have depression. So we just want to make sure everybody is aware that you've got plenty of people out here that care about you. I know I saw somebody post the other day. um, It was one of those things that, like a, a meme, but it was one of those helpful ones. And it said something about if you know somebody that's suffering from depression don't say hey call me if you need me just do things just show up at the house mm-hmm. you know with you know i I'll, I'll pick the kids up for you tomorrow from school or you know i'm going to come over and bring you dinner tonight or be a doer not leave it to the person and mm-hmm. when wow. i saw that somebody had posted underneath of that picture that they were one of those people that you know, when they need to reach out to somebody, even though they know there are people that they can call, that they struggle to actually pick up the phone to do it, they'll mm-hmm. end up talking their out of thinking that the people were genuine when they said, hey, call me if you need help. Yeah. So, and that even happens a lot. Even though everybody, you know, right. is genuine. Right. But that's, you know, that's, your mind plays tricks on you. Mm-hmm. So, that's just the thing that you got to remember when you think uh, nobody really cares, that's not true. That's, not, your, that's mm-hmm. your mind convincing you of something that's not true, so... Just remember. So you can always contact us or you can talk to anybody in the group. People love to uh, help you out. If you'd rather talk to some strangers, 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text 741-741. All right. Let's get into this story. So we've done a few triangles on the show. Bermuda, Bridgewater, Michigan Triangle. Tonight we've got a triangle... That also starts with the letter B. A lot of them do start with the B's. Like Bermuda, the Bridgewater.
0: Bitch. Bitchy triangle.
1: I don't think that is a triangle.
0: It ain't. It should be. <laughs> <laughs> Every month. <laughs>
1: oh, no, I'm just kidding. What's this one called? This one is the Bennington triangle. That sounds a lot better. Yes, it's far better than what you proposed. <laughs> <laughs> this triangle is nestled in southwestern Vermont. And. The history goes all the way back to pre colonial times. Pretty far. The place has everything you could think of. Wild men, Bigfoot, UFOs, and missing people. And you know we Wild love. Wild men, missing what does that mean? You know, like um like people that really aren't civilized.
0: Oh, I thought you meant like partyers.
1: Like, oh no, hell yeah. No, more like Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> you know, i got to bring it back to Fort Andy Griffith. Ernest know. T. So the actual triangle isn't really well defined. Uh, so it's not really a triangle. It's just more of an area. Mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. But it got that name back in like 1991 uh, when somebody called it that. Uh, and I didn't write it down. But, oh, dang. Well, he wrote a book. Oh, okay. And I, and I probably should have wrote his name down. But he wrote a book and he called it, uh-huh. uh, you know, the, the Bennington Triangle back then. And the name kind of stuck. Gotcha. But it, it kind of... Is centered around Glastonbury Mountain, and it's pretty much this. That's pretty much the center of most of these tales. So, with the towns of Bennington, Woodford, Glastonbury, Shaftesbury, and Somerset, it's pretty much makes up all of what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. Notice there's a Somerset in there. I noticed. That's just um, like anybody who's seen Hellier. They keep talking about some of these names that mm-hmm. pop up everywhere when it comes to these kind of things, and Somerset's one of them. So let's start with the Native American stories. First of all, they felt that the entire area was cursed, especially right there in Glastonbury Mountain, and they would only use this land to bury their dead. There's a few reasons for this. One was that they actually felt like, and it's semi-true, that up on the mountain that the winds from all four directions Mm -hmm. would meet right there.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool.
1: And and it is similar mm-hmm. to that. That's just, you know, the weather is very unpredictable up on Glastonbury Mountain. So much so that all of the plants grow in weird directions.
0: Oh. Because, like,
1: you know, in most places, you know, the plants grow straight or they grow to the side, depending on how the wind blows. The wind and stuff blows so crazy up there that trees and stuff grow in, like, deformed type uh, formations.
0: Hey, everybody don't have to be the same. I'm down with that. So do they have like snow and stuff there on the mountain?
1: Yes. It's also believed that there's an enchanted stone up on top of this thing that will swallow people.
0: Oh, well, I mean, (laughs) maybe it's just a big hole. Watch where you're walking.
1: Well, it's not. It's on a mountain. Now, the reason that they thought this was because so many Native Americans went missing on this mountain. So they thought the people would actually go up there. They would stand on this stone because it was one of the highest points. That way they could get a good look at the area below, and whoever was actually standing on this stone would actually sink into it. Like it would just swallow them up.
0: Like quicksand?
1: I mean, You're just a of, hole. But it's just, I don't know, like somehow it just happened.
0: Oh, wow. There was
1: no rhyme or reason to it because it's a solid stone so nobody can sink. Back. Well,
0: that's very true. So did the Native Americans know about that?
1: We're not going to talk a whole lot about that aspect of it because, like I said, that's just more or less shows that that's what the Native Americans felt before the colonial people moved in. This area's got a bunch of firsts for for the state of Vermont, and we're going to get into uh, all of them as we get through the story. Bennington, for uh, example, in Vermont has the first church fittingly known as Old First Church. That was the very first church in Vermont. Bennington was settled in 1761 and as you can see this area goes all the way back to the colonial days. Bigfoot sightings go all the way back to the 1800s and and have continued over the last 200 years. The first sighting was in the early 1800s. A stagecoach was actually driving around. It was dark. It was a treacherous road and it had been storming really bad and the stagecoach driver couldn't see the road so he just kind of stopped. He got out And he grabbed his lantern so he could see in front of the area. And uh, as he looked in front of the horses, he noticed that, A, the horses were really spooked from something. But he also noticed some very large footprints, too large to be humans, that were in the mud in front of the horses. So about this time, a large beast came running from the woods and rammed into the side of the stagecoach, knocking it on its side.
0: Please don't tell me the horses went over the edge.
1: No. Good. No, they didn't. The scared passenger said they only saw a pair of eyeballs before it ran right back into the forest. So the creature would be described later on as over six feet tall, covered with hair by several other uh, people who encountered it over the years. Mm -hmm. Like I said, that group only really got to see the eyes. So that was it. It would eventually be known as the Bennington Monster.
0: That's kind of a nice name. It's catchy. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the most recent sightings was in 2003. Ray Dufresne was driving by Glastonbury Mountain when he saw what he described as a large black thing by the road. He said it was well over six foot tall. It had hair from the top of its head all the way to the bottom of its feet.
0: Like he had hair on his feet.
1: No, he wouldn't hair on the bottom of
0: them. Top of the feet. Yeah, hair would have worn off.
1: Yeah, he probably didn't see the the bottom of the feet. (laughs) (laughs) But there have been several other sightings around that same time, back in 2003, when he he saw the creature.
0: That was in 2003.
1: Yeah, that one was in 2003.
0: Holy moly! I know. I'd like to know what those animals are eating, because they sure do hang around a long time. How do you know it's the same animal? I don't know. They must, like, have no heart problems, diabetes, or anything. They
1: probably don't because they don't get to eat cupcakes and stuff.
0: I don't know.
1: During the colonial days, many people reported wild men in the woods as well as seeing thunderbirds. And when I say wild men, I legitimately mean people that just, they haven't been, um, you know, they're regular people.
0: That just have but, lived in the woods. Yeah, they've stuff. lived
1: in the woods, so they're just, they're they're wild, like, you know, native. yeah. yeah. So, that wasn't it, though. There are also experiences of shadow people and strange lights in the sky. Most interesting part of this place, though, is the missing people. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. Some say at least 40 people have disappeared in this area. From 1920 to 1950, we know for a fact that 10 people did go missing. We're going to focus on the five most famous ones that took place from 1945 to 1950. We're going to talk about mostly the actual town of Glastonbury. Most of this kind of, even though we got all these five or six cities in there, Glastonbury uh, has a unique story. It's actually a ghost town today. So it's there, but it's really not there. The last census listed eight residents living there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, my god. Uh, that was
1: 2010, I believe.
0: Oh, man. What do you do with eight people?
1: Well, and, and as you'll find out, there was a point where they had less. So it was thriving in the 1800s because there was a mining town there and there was a railroad running through the, uh, the area. And in 1761, the boundaries of Glastonbury were drawn on a map by a gentleman who never even stepped foot on the land. That was a problem. Well, yeah. How did he get to be the main chief? Well, the problem was he, he looks at a map. He draws it on it with a pen or a pencil. And he says, this is this is where this town's going to be. And that's, this is where the Glastonbury is going to be. Well, what he didn't know was that this thing is straight up the side of a mountain. <laughs> pretty much.
0: They have ink pens back in the 1700s? Well, they...
1: I knew you would catch it. You you caught you didn't catch that it was in two thousand and three. <laughs> yeah. But I started off the sentence with the close suit last encounter was in two thousand
0: and three. because I said two thousand and three.
1: You caught it the second time. But you caught that there was a pencil or a pen. So I was no. just curious. No, they had a pencil, I'm sure.
0: Alright, then quit say an ink pen then heifer.
1: <laughs> somebody else has sent it too, so I know somebody else fault me on it. But anyways He just draws it on this map and he hadn't stepped foot there. So he didn't realize how rough the terrain was. And he also didn't realize that there's a very short growing season. So this place was set up for failure to begin with. But how come he was allowed to do that? How come he, of all people? Because I think he, he's the one that had basically laid claim to the land. And as he wrote, he actually did this as he was on a boat on the way over here. Yeah. So he knew that they were going to settle and he knew that that land Mm -hmm. was theirs. So he kind of owned it, so I guess he could do it if he wanted to. Okay. So there was actually two towns. There was Fayetteville and Glastonbury. They were on both sides of the mountain, but they were supposed to be connected, but they never were connected because of the steep decline of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it. So the town was established as a logging town, and the train went through there, and it would bring loggers up to this really steep incline that would only go like a half a mile per hour. And it had to go 14 miles.
0: You know, he must have been thinking, damn, I wasted all my time on my boat ride. (laughs) Fixing this out and it ain't going to
1: work. Soon, though, all of the resources dried up, as you can imagine. And then there wasn't any more logging. They cut all the trees down. Now, they were using these logs to make charcoal. Yeah.
0: Wait, what?
1: Charcoal's wood. Made out of wood.
0: Charcoal like we grow with? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So they were
1: making charcoal, because back then, I mean, that's what most things used as energy.
0: Mm -hmm. They were
1: using the charcoal, like, you know, instead of coal, because coal wasn't as plentiful and all that, so they would use charcoal. Well, they cut all the trees down, and now all the trees were gone in that area, really wasn't a whole lot to do, so people started leaving. As a matter of fact, 1930, Ripley's, believe it or not, reported that the Madison family Husband, wife, and, and his mom made up the whole town. And yeah. all of the offices from the city, because, you know, there were, yeah. all the officers were made up of those three people. In 1937, the town was unincorporated. Yeah. so
0: You couldn't yeah. get a job, huh? Hmm? Couldn't get a job. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so
1: bizarre. So, like I said, back after all this logging was done, the town made one last attempt to kind of revitalize it. So they turned it into a resort. They made the loggers lodge into a hotel and the store that was there, they made it into a casino. Nice. They turned the rail, railroad into an electric trolley system. Reinforced, They reinforced the uh, rails and everything, made it a trolley system. That lasted one summer.
0: You're kidding me. Now,
1: mainly because there was some heavy rains and because all the trees were cut down, the rain just rushed right down the mountain. the mountain and destroyed almost everything that was there. <laughs> <laughs> most of the buildings
0: okay i know that's not funny but geez <laughs> give him a break so
1: that was the last attempt to save the city
0: no that's part. you know I bet that could have really done something good though if they maybe you know
1: it's just stuck in the middle of nowhere though it's well, just and I hard guess that's to get true. to it's just like yeah
0: i just guess that's right
1: the town had two murders as well during all this time the first was in I, 1892
0: i was gonna say there was only three people that lived there' was, it's gonna narrow well, it down
1: <laughs> over yeah <the, laughs> Two loggers got into it. Henry McDowell picked up a rock, and he hit John Crowley in the head and killed him. Mm. He said that voices told him to do it. So Crowley didn't die instantly, and uh, McDowell kind of hung around for a little bit until Crowley died. And when he died, he bolted the city and got out. He went up to Canada for a little bit. Eventually, he was caught in South Norwalk, Connecticut. He was tried and sent to Waterbury Hospital. He was slick though. He escaped. He was had a job working out in the yard, and he hid under a load of coal that was on like a railroad car.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when the got taken away, he went with it, and he was never seen again.
0: He was rolled under the train. He held onto the train.
1: I, I think he was on a, a railroad car that went to the train.
0: Oh man, he was kind of smart then. Yeah, so he held.
1: He hid out underneath that coal.
0: So did he just decide to leave when the guy died? I mean I don't see a reason oh, yeah, why he yeah. would he, stay. He
1: bolted. Once that guy died, he was like I'm But why didn't
0: get... he die I mean, why didn't he bolt before? I
1: don't know, I guess he figured maybe he wouldn't go get in trouble if the guy didn't die. Aww. Once he died he knew it was you know, his was what it was. So the other murder was October first of eighteen ninety seven. John Harbour, he was a pretty well known guy. He came up from Woodford. He was killed while hunting the very first day of deer hunting in the state of Vermont. Are you serious? Another, another one of the first. Somebody a, shot him. So we had yes, but did he have
0: his orange jacket on?
1: I don't. I don't know if they wore the orange jackets back then. You know, this was the first day ever in Vermont, so he that might like not have been his established.
0: Well, that's a shame.
1: So anyway, it was he was killed in the Bickford Holler portion. That's right.
0: That's Holler. right. You said Holler.
1: No one ever came forward or was arrested in the case.
0: He didn't really have any
1: enemies or anything, so it was really surprising. So
0: it was probably just really accidental. It may have been. I bet it was. They don't know the rules.
1: So let's let's get into the missing person cases that I teased you with a a short time ago, the ones I said we're going to focus on. As we said, there have been several disappearances. Some say 40. We know of 10 from 1920 to 1950. The most famous are these five that happened from 1945 to 1950. And we're going to start and go in chronological order. So we're going to start in 1945. 74-year-old Middy Rivers.
0: Hey, that's a cool name. And that's a man. Mitty Rivers. Yep. What if it was Muddy? That would have been even cooler.
1: He would have been a um, blues singer.
0: Yeah. Oh, what happened? What happened?
1: Well, it was November 12th. And Mitty was hunting with some friends. He had four others that were there. They were out in this vast wilderness, wilderness right next to uh, Glastonbury Mountain. Now, it's important to know that Mitty was very experienced. He was a very experienced hunter. He knew the area really well. And the group he was with, they finished hunting for the day. And they're going to head back to the camp. Well, Mitty was in the front of, of the pack, uh, a little ahead of the rest, but still within sight. Now, this was on Long Trail Road, or yeah, this was in the Long Trail Road area, I should say, near U.S. Route 9. A lot of these these trails up there, like you'll see the other one, Long Trail is the name of it. So okay. it's Long so, Trail Road mm-hmm. is the road right there. Now, this area was nicknamed Hell Hollow, and uh, he just vanished. Now, originally, the other hunters weren't very concerned because they knew he was very skilled outdoorsman, and they just, you know, he'll show up. But when he didn't show up back at the cabin, they called authorities. They had over 300 local volunteers show up and some U.S. soldiers from Massachusetts from Fort Deaver. They came down and they did a a very extensive search. Now, when I say extensive, I mean extensive. Eight full days. All that was found, and I will say that this part is semi-disputed, All that was found was a single rifle cartridge that was the same kind that Mitty used. I say that it was disputed because some say that that cartridge was found. Some people say there wasn't one found, and some people say there were two found. So there's some discrepancy Mm -hmm. on whether that was found or not. Regardless, his body was never found. There's some speculation that maybe he bent over near the stream, and he fell into the stream and was taken away, and as he fell, maybe this cartridge or so fell out of his pocket, and that's why the pocket was laying there because this was found near the stream.
0: his pocket was laying there
1: well, the uh is it gonna be one of those nights yeah.
0: no I was the, just cartridge, the cartridge
1: the cartridge so the the
0: there. cartridge actually wasn't Discharged.
1: the shell shell okay, no.
0: okay that because I mean how would you explain that? I mean, you said that he was ahead, but not that far. They could still see him. And
1: you're going to see that it's kind of a theme in some of these other stories. And there were no signs of any type of animal attack at all. So he just disappeared. So let's move on to the next case. This is, is the most famous out of all of them. This is the case of Paula Weldon. We're at 1946, December 1st to be exact. So this Is an interesting one, to say the least. So Paula was 18. She was a sophomore at Bennington College. She was working at the cafeteria there at the college. And on this day, she had finished her shift, and she went up to her dorm room. Now, her roommate had noticed that she hadn't really been herself lately. Mm -hmm. Paula had been in what she termed to be kind of a funk. And she suggested that, hey, Paula, go on a hike. She literally suggested her roommate take a hike. (laughs) (laughs) but the original plan was to get some other people to go with her but um, hello it's the winter time in Vermont it was freezing so nobody wanted to go so she went on her own around 4pm she said she was going to go on a popular trail called Long Trail and that's up Glastonbury Mountain so she was wearing this really bright red Jacket. Mm -hmm. Say jacket rather than a coat because everybody says it wasn't really thick. As we just already discussed, it was freezing outside. So she was seen by a few hikers actually on the trail as she made her way up the trail. Ernest Whitman was a gentleman that seen her. He said that she came up to him and asked how far the trail went. He told her at the time that she really wasn't dressed appropriately.
0: Oh yeah. It
1: was very cold. It, It had a tendency to get colder as you got up the mountain. It was even colder. And she apparently was wearing just a pair of pants and this light jacket. So then, as she goes up a little bit further, at one point there was an elderly couple that said that they were about 100 yards behind her on this trail. So that's not that far. They said that they saw her this whole trip until she took a turn, which was around some boulders, some big boulders. Uh So she took this turn. And they, they said but by the time they got up to that same turn... They didn't see her anymore, and they should have been able to see her because it was more of a straightaway once they made that turn.
0: Oh, so it wasn't like a drop-off no. or anything
1: like that? No, So they, they didn't see her. They said it was like she just vanished in thin air. She was declared missing the next day because she didn't show up for her classes or show up back at her dorm room. Her father was like this really wealthy uh, gentleman up in Connecticut. He came down immediately to help with the search, and he even offered a $5,000 reward. Mm-hmm. Over a 1,000 people were part of this search. Here's another first. I told you there's a bunch of firsts here. A helicopter was used to search the area for her, and that was the first time in Vermont that they'd ever uh, used a, a helicopter to search for a missing no kidding. person.
0: I mean, she, well, I can't say she should be easy to spot if she was out in the open a little bit with that red but coat. But they
1: did think she would be because of the red coat. Yeah. Once again, another theme you'll see as we get into these. So they searched all the trails that led off the long trail, but they found absolutely nothing. Now, there was a lot of press included this. It was in the paper of of the New York Times. It was in all the local papers. So this one did get, where Mitty Rivers didn't really get much attention, uh, a little bit local. This one got a lot of attention mainly because of who her dad was. The FBI even got involved on this, but it was all for naught. No clues were ever found. There were some strange details about this disappearance, though. One being that the trail was well-traveled even for that time of the year. Mm-hmm. As we've seen, there was two people who know for a fact they seen her because, you know, she yeah. stood out. It's not a secluded, deep-into-the-woods type of trail. This is one that, like, you know, and it's not a difficult trail. It's an easy trail. So that's why, you know, it, 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 she should have stood out, no doubt, in, in the environment there. So the other thing was her clothing. The weather forecast had called for heavy um snow later that night so why would she leave for a hike only wearing a light jacket when it was already cold and they were calling for heavy snow
0: i mean maybe she just figured she wouldn't be gone that long she'd be back you know
1: some people seem to think that she was killed and buried someplace else maybe somewhere in the area but somebody snagged her and then you know took her off somewhere another is that she ran off with a boyfriend and maybe even went to Canada, but her friends, uh, even her roommates, said they didn't know anything about her having a boyfriend. You know, so that mm-hmm. didn't seem logical to them. Yeah. Another thing is that possibly she got so cold that she started suffering from hypothermia, and one of the one of the things that happens when you start suffering from hypothermia is. You may go and you start huddling up somewhere like underneath a tree or something like that to keep warm. Usually, when you do that, it's already too late, but also you it lose makes your sense you,
0: of direction. And well, stuff. and it makes
1: you harder to find. Because oh, that's true. You're like huddled up under, you know, a tree. Once again, though, she's still got the red, the red coat on. There was somebody, a couple of in, uh, different theories that said that maybe there were these wild men we talk about. I know this sounds crazy, but. They think that maybe there was something in that mountain that maybe just called her. Like she had a just a desire to go up there and be up there for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, they just said the whole trip that day seemed odd to -hmm. just up and go by yourself. Which, But we did say that she was supposed to have other people go with her, but nobody wanted to go. So who knows? And there's one other theory, but we're going to discuss that at the very end. And we talked about all the firsts. Here's another first. After this case, it was so well known that this is what caused, or I, I guess they should was the reason, that the Vermont State Police was actually uh, started. There were no state police no way. before this incident.
0: I'll be dang.
1: So now we, we've got the first helicopter used, the state police was started because of yeah. this. And we've got the uh, situation earlier where the first church was right here.
0: Very interesting.
1: Next one. Jim Tetford. This happened exactly three years to the day on December 1st,
0: 1949. From her? Yeah. No.
1: Jim was a veteran. and He lived Thank in a veteran's home in Bennington. He went to visit some relatives, uh, including his wife, up north to St. Albans. Now, I say that because I don't know what the situation was. Jim was 67, mm-hmm. I think. It might have been 68, but I think 67. And he lived in the veterans' home, but his wife lived up there. I don't know why they were, what the reason why they were not together. together. No, I couldn't find anything that, that told me that. So he's up there visiting his relatives, and he's really depressed. He's telling them that he doesn't want to go back to the veterans' home. Nevertheless, he gets on a bus to go back home. There were 14 other passengers on the bus, but Tedford never showed back up to the veterans home. It was a week after he went missing that the veterans home actually called his relatives and said, hey, does he got any intention on coming back? And they were like, he should have already been back. He left a week ago on December Why would 1st. they wait and call a week later? They didn't. I mean, they didn't know. I mean, it's not like they had cell phones and stuff. They just knew that he left. They, I mean, he I guess probably. He could come had, and go as he yeah, wanted. Yeah, I was going to say he probably had the ability to just come okay. and go as he wanted Okay, to. gotcha. It's a good question, though. So now, like I said, it's a week later. The authorities are involved. By the time they start talking to bus drivers and all the people, mm-hmm. one of us, now we're two weeks into this investigation. You know, who knows whose memories are good at this point? And, yeah. And, you know, when you're two weeks later. So they did find out some very strange things to say the least. All of the passengers remember seeing him sleeping in his seat at the last stop before the truck, before the, the bus, bus took off. Bus took off. So he's there. He's sleeping and now he's gone. So the, the, the next to last stop was Burlington and he even talked to some of the people there and told them that he was heading to Bennington. The bus driver didn't check to see if everybody got off? I don't know what the situation was. But, I mean, supposedly, when when it left that last stop, mm-hmm. he was on there. Because they said he was sleeping in the seat. The next minute, though, he was gone. This happened supposedly while the bus was moving down the road. His luggage, all of his belongings, including his wallet, with all of his cash, was still on the bus. He just wasn't there. There was no way he could have gotten off because there was no other stops. So Tedford was never heard from again.
0: That's so crazy.
1: I did see an interview with somebody in a documentary that said that the story may have been embellished as the years have moved on. And it's very possible that he had to have just gotten off and somebody didn't see see him or whatever the situation was.
0: But why would he leave his
1: stuff? I don't know. That's the part that's peculiar.
0: Oh. But,
1: you know, that's where the whole two weeks later comes in. I mean, you know, did he just miss the bus? Maybe he got off to go use the bathroom or something or I, I don't know. I it's didn't... just
0: like Andy Griffith.
1: All right. Are you ready for our fourth missing person? Yeah. You're not going to like this one. Oh, October 12th, 1950, Paul Jepson went missing. He was an eight-year-old boy. Paul and his mother, they were in a pickup truck, and they went to this, I don't know how to describe this. I've seen people say it was their farm, but I've seen most people say this was either a landfill or a dump that actually had hogs on it. And Paul's parents were um like care, uh, caregivers to these uh-huh. hogs,
0: yeah,
1: or caretakers for the land, yeah. So they would go there and have to take care of the hogs, feed the hogs, and I all gotcha. that stuff.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But like I
1: said, some people say this was their farm, and but other people say that they didn't even own it, they, and, and it was a dump or whatever the situation. So there you go. But anyway, so they they take the truck, they drive up there. The mom tells Paul to stay in the truck while she tends to the pigs. I'm going to point out that Paul was also wearing a bright red jacket. Paul's mother comes back about an hour later and Paul wasn't there. So hundreds of volunteers come to town to help look for this, this little boy to no avail. Bloodhounds were brought in and there was also a very special bloodhound from New Hampshire that was supposed to be like an expert that came down to actually help in this case they followed the they picked up a scent and they followed it up to uh, about about 2 miles up the road towards Glastonbury and they came right to like the the main road the intersection right there but then the the scent just stopped so they they tracked him 2 miles up the road boom and then it stops now This leads some people to believe, because it stopped at the road, that he was abducted. Here's the freaky part. The dad said that Paul had been saying for the last two weeks that he wanted to go visit Glastonbury Mountain, almost like it was calling him. And that's his dad's words, not me. Dang. Okay, so the abduction kind of makes sense when you think about it because it it the scent stops at the road now there were, supposedly though was a lot of heavy rain and mud and stuff like that so there's a lot of people that think that maybe that's why the scent stopped it wouldn't because he was abducted there it was just there was just too much going on
0: so there so it started raining the day yes, that day
1: yeah and it was raining when the bloodhounds and stuff were up there mm-hmm. so that could have been part of it now <laughs> There's several people in the area that had a different conclusion of what went on. They thought that the boy's parents killed him.
0: And fed him to the pigs. And
1: fed him to the pigs.
0: I'll punch them in their face. There was
1: no reason why they would do that. They didn't have any kind of inkling as to why that would have happened. They just felt like that for the dad to come out and say, "Oh, oh, okay, the boy's missing. Oh, and the mountain was calling him. It just seemed like a very convenient excuse and they all knew that pigs would eat a body and they probably wouldn't be able to track it down. So, I mean, I can see the thought process here, Um, but he did make it two miles. So we know that he went two miles away in the opposite direction, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I guess theoretically the boy could have ran away from him. Maybe he was trying to get away from him. He made it two miles and maybe they tracked him down on the road and then maybe put him in the vehicle and took him back. And maybe that's why the scent stopped there. Mm-hmm. All I know is that the, the the father pretty much quit talking to the press. Oh, really? But he, he quit talking to the press because he said that he had heard some of the stories and they were completely uh, horrible stories for people to save during the time yeah, that they're missing I a mean, the son. Awful. And so he just wasn't even going to talk to anybody if that's the kind of stuff that was going to be out mm-hmm. there. So I don't know.
0: Oh, my God. Pray but, to God he didn't do that.
1: But once again, they thought with him having a red jacket on, he would be probably pretty easy to find.
0: Well, I think the whole thing is don't wear a daggone red jacket near this place.
1: That's kind of the thing is, is you know, but we'll get back to the missing 411 stuff. You know, a lot of that has to do with a lot of these people that go missing are wearing bright colors, whether it be red or, you know, orange or something like that. That's kind of a, a theme along with a lot of these people that, that go missing. Yeah. So, all That's right. really sad. This is the final missing person we're going to talk about. This is just 16 days later.
0: At the same area?
1: Yes. All these are in the same area. This is October 28, 1950. 53-year-old Frida Langer was camping with her cousin, Herbert Elsner. And uh, they had some friends and stuff with them, and they were near the Somerset Reservoir. Early that morning, her and Herbert decided they were going to get up and go on a hike. So during the hike... Frida slipped and fell into a stream. It was cold outside, so she said, "You know, she was going to go back to the campsite and change her clothes." But she made Herbert promise to wait there. I don't get this, though, and I'll tell you why: is he agreed to because they weren't that far away? They were only like a hundred yards away. Think about that; it's a football field away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why wouldn't he just went back with her? Why would? Why does she want him to wait there? Oh, I
0: don't, when they're only a
1: hundred miles? I mean, hundred yeah, yards away. I don't know. I mean, I, I would have. Just thought that he probably, you know, rather, who wants to just wait there anyway? I would have just went back to camp and, yeah. you know, whatever. So anyway, when she didn't make it back in time uh, from when he thought she should have been back, he decided he's going to go back to camp himself. He was surprised to find out that she never made it back to camp. In the next two weeks, there were five searches that took place. 400 people, firemen, police, they even had planes involved, helicopters, no trace was found. This case was different, though, because May 12th, 1951, seven months later, her body was found. Of all the missing people in this five-year period, this was the only one to turn back up. And it was right there by the reservoir. She was found in an area that had been searched several times, and it was wide open. It was like there weren't trees and stuff there. It was like a field. Her remains were so badly decomposed that the cause of death could not be determined. And like I said, this was in a clearing, so that's just odd.
0: Yeah, it, how in the world they cannot see her?
1: It's assumed that her body was moved there, which, considering the shape of the body and how decomposed it was, uh, that this would have been a really messy conjecture for somebody to just...
0: Unless somebody moved it there after they... Got done searching that area. Yeah, but like I
1: said, this is an area where there's people all the time inside an opening. Yeah, that's really weird. So it would have been found. So she had to have been moved there. They feel like she was moved there after she was badly decomposed. Really weird. Okay, so I said there was one thing that basically applies to all of these stories that we were going to share at the end when we talked about uh, uh, Paula going missing. There are some people that think that maybe there was a serial killer in the area during this five-year period. Mm-hmm. Most people don't think this is the case, though, for several reasons. First of all, serial killers typically have a type. They're usually young blondes or they're whatever the situation mm-hmm. was. But you got to look at what you had here. Definitely wasn't the case that you had a type here. No, oh, no. You had two elderly men. You had a little boy a, a little boy eight year old boy an eighteen year old uh girl, and then you had a you know fifty three year old woman. none of them had anything in common really so in the case of Weldon, they don't think that's the case because she was on a busy trail. remember them the yeah. women were a mm-hmm. hundred yard or the man and woman were a hundred yards behind her um it just doesn't It doesn't seem logical that somebody would abduct somebody off of a trail when there's all kinds of people around. No, yeah. And then you gotta drag them through a forest. Right, right. So, anyways, that's the uh, story of the Bennington Triangle.
0: Dang on, these missing people is the most bizarre thing. Yeah. (sighs) Just so terrible. I mean, for the families, because they just never see them again, or never even know what happened.
1: And, you know, and what everybody... Not everybody, but what a lot of people say, oh, but a lot of these missing people, I mean, they're in the wilderness, you know. What's the odds of somebody finding them, you know, if they happen to fall off a cliff or if they happen to, you know, whatever the case is, you know. Like I said, now we know that, that she didn't go missing Langer because they found her body. Mm-hmm. She was killed by somebody. But was she? They couldn't determine the cause of death. I mean, who knows? Maybe that was a Bigfoot. Maybe a Bigfoot killed her and had her body somewhere and then later drug her out there.
0: I think we should just stay in our house forever.
1: (laughs) Well, there's no Bigfoot on the beach. That's all I know. I've yet to hear about a Bigfoot on the beach.
0: (laughs) And being our luck, he'll show up
1: there (laughs) (laughs) with a pair of Speedos on.
0: (laughs) Um, It's bikini season. You'd really need to shave those legs. (laughs) He's like,
1: it's no shave November. (laughs) Um, Well, Tracy. Don't forget that we've got all these live shows well, that are coming up.
0: I'm getting excited about that. I know it hasn't been that long since we've done them, but I miss seeing everybody. So I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, we know we've already had some people say they uh, a couple of days ago that they bought their tickets mm-hmm. to Louisville. And we've had more tickets sold to But so I'm not going to bore you with all the details. Go to com and there's all the locations. Yeah. With, um, You can see who's going to be at each show and all that stuff. We are
0: so looking forward to seeing you guys.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be a blast. And we've got some iTunes reviews.
0: We do. These were such nice reviews. I can't thank you guys enough. Um, The first one is from Deb1569. Bella E. May. Mr. Johnson91. Chiefers. I think that's how that's said. Long... Slash straight. That's what she said. <laughs> Little Chris seven three eight nine and Jason B. Man, you guys really do make our week. When we see the those reviews, it makes everything we do worth it. Um we also would like to say a big thank you to the ones that have signed up for the fifty dollar Patreons
1: absolutely that good. has
0: been amazing thank you guys so much
1: still got a couple of weeks left on that yes
0: yes we do and um we like to thank um you know all the other patreons if you had not signed up yet that's cool um if that's not what something you want to do but i think it is because you're going to get like a well i don't know it's a crap ton of us
1: so yeah you might, might yeah. not be a good thing <laughs> <laughs> but, and like I said, and if that's not your cup of tea, we still have the regular yeah. Patreon, the dollar, $3, $5, $10, mm-hmm. and $15 levels. And at the dollar level, you get all of these shows ad-free. So if you don't like commercials, a dollar a month, you can be commercial-free yeah. on, what, what do we do now, four shows a week? So yep. that's mm-hmm. 16 shows a month, you get ad-free for a buck. Right. And you get some shorts in there, too. Yeah. So you want a week of those. Nice. That's what I say, nice.
0: But anyway, again, thank you for your support. It really does mean the world to us, and we look forward to doing these shows every week. So, hopefully, you'll keep hanging with us for a while.
1: Yep, absolutely. And if you've got a story that you want us to uh, feature on our paranormal encounters that we do on Tuesday now, um, either write it to us, or if you want to do it live, we are you know on the air, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be a while before it gets on though, because we only do one of those a week that that gets yeah where the uh, listeners actually involved. And I've got probably nine or ten already just sitting there waiting to go. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. be prepared that if you tell your story, it might be a couple months before it actually comes (laughs) on. But but we'll do it.
0: We love you guys, and we hope that you all have a blessed week.